Howdy, howdy. Hello. And welcome. Is it us you're looking for? I hope so, for they clicked on the podcast. And welcome to... But it was aliens. <sighs> the extraterrestrial comedy podcast where we probe extraterrestrial mysteries to determine whether these mysteries really do involve aliens at all. Alongside other things, we take it in turns to host the podcast and co-host has no idea what's coming up. My name is Kev and I'm your host this week and alongside me is Mr. Granville Moonwalker. What up? Today, we are heading back to 1912 as we meet a rare book dealer named Wilfred Voynich. Voynich was born in modern day Lithuania, which was then part of the Russian Empire in 1865 to a Polish-Lithuanian family. Voynich acquired a working knowledge of 18 different languages and by 1898, Voynich had opened his first bookstore in Soho Square, London. Voynich had a special ability. That's incredible. 18 languages. Yeah, that's mad. I think... And I can say this because I am English. The English are awful when it comes to languages. Yeah, we are. We just don't show any interest Interest. within our system, our education systems, in pushing the importance of language. But then... We expect everyone to speak English. I also feel that we're not given much choice. It's learn this language. And I think when it's forced upon you to learn a certain language, you don't want to. Whereas if you were given the choice to learn one of, I don't know, 18 different languages, you'd be much more interested in learning another language. When we went to school, you didn't get a choice at all. You were just given one to do. Today, some schools do give you a couple of choices, but even so, yeah, it's hard to learn something you're not interested in and if you're not interested in learning French for example and you'd rather do Spanish and Spanish isn't an option you're not necessarily gonna try so hard anyway I'm sorry to cut you off I used to wonder if people that originally spoke a different language think in that language yeah or if they speak think in English so I watched a interview with Thierry Henry Mm-hmm. And he said it threw him off once because he normally thinks in French. French. Yeah. But in this one instance, he was thinking in English and then spoke in French and it threw him off. <laughs> <laughs> so I know a couple of bilingual folks and I've asked that specific question because I wondered it. And they say that they generally think in their native tongue. But if they're completely, completely fluent, sometimes they do dual so yeah that's really interesting but I think yeah, predominantly it's your native your first language Voynich had an almost otherworldly ability to identify and or otherwise acquire rare books is that because books were generally rare? no <laughs> Voynich found the first Latin to Italian translated Bible in Italy in 1902 as an example Rare books just flocked to this man. It's called the Bookman. 
In April 1904, Voynich became a British citizen called Wilfred Michael Voynich, having from birth been known as Mikhail Habdank Wojniks. But what we've really come for today is to learn about something that came into Voynich's possession, again in Italy during 1912. Um, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I think the pronunciation of the surname is the same as the other spelling. I think the W O J is yeah, pronounced. It may well be um, Mikhail Habdank Voynich. Yeah. Could well be. I've got no idea. I researched how to pronounce Voynich's name and did not research how to pronounce his birth name, which evidently, now you've said that, does appear to be the same. <laughs> Voynich visited Villa Mondragon, a noble House villa. Of dragons. A noble villa. Though aren't they all really? Pope Gregory XIII used the villa as a summer residence during the 1500s, and it's actually there that the Pope reformed the calendar into today's Gregorian calendar. Two other Popes also frequented the villa. In 1865, the villa was turned into a college by the Society of Jesus. Jesus. Come 1912, the Jesuits... I've never been sure how to pronounce that, and I've covered a couple of episodes that you'll see in the future. Did you just call them the Jesuits? Jesuits. Jesus, Jesuits? Jesuits? Jesuits. I don't think it's Jesuits. The Jesuits. <laughs> Come 1912, the Society of Jesus people were in need of some dollar-dollar bills, y'all, so they secretly begun selling some of their belongings. Voyanik with his raging clue for rare documents, got wind of this and was immediately on site. But they wish they had a cash converters back then. <laughs> buy that so shit quick back. dollars. They'll buy anything. Computer console, buy it. TV, buy it. Sword, buy it. Gun. Bicycle. <laughs> Let us put it in that secret cabinet here. Golf club. Sock. Gold egg laying chicken. Absolutely. Come over to my side and I'll write you up. Voynik purchased 30 manuscripts from the villa. One was particularly interesting. Right. So, before we get on to the J-suits, did they all wear suits? Before no. we get on to them, I have a question about them. <laughs> no. So... They're basically like Catholic priests and whatnot i didn't probe them for this episode because it's not hugely important but i have touched on them in an episode we'll be covering later this year but you have so the mondragon villa yeah that sounds like something like game of thrones which it? was used as a summer residence mm -hmm. did they have um like hot tubs outside <laughs> it's and like the playboy mansion hot tub parties and they were actually powered by dragons underneath like from the cellar I thought you were going to go towards like the Pope being a, a playboy sex fiend kind of yeah but you've you've gone for it's actually powered by mystical creatures <laughs> Mondragon it does sound like that kind of thing doesn't it mm -hmm. yeah religion is wild any ideas on what this one particular 
and particularly interesting book, maybe? It was a manuscript, wasn't it? It wasn't a scroll. Yes, a manuscript. The Book of Amon. This manuscript was wild. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Paddington Bear? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was the first ever Paddington Bear written in the 1200s. The original Harry Potter, which was actually (laughs) named Lord Voldemort. Voldemort Saga. No, because that doesn't exist. Or does it? No, he died. He lost against a little weasel. It was rewritten. And he still died. (laughs) Voynich's got the original. So yeah, this was a handwritten codex using an unknown writing system accompanied by unusual illustrations over between 240 and 272 pages. 240 pages remained intact. So if the book was actually 240 pages long, then we have the full book. If it was 272, then we're missing pages. Yes. How do we know? We'll get into that momentarily. Okay. So this is an audio podcast, so we won't go through explaining the document in detail, but I'm just showing Mr. Moonwalker a few pages. Why is there bush? (laughs) (laughs) When a little person hits a certain age... (laughs) So, the manuscript consists of unusual writings like some kind of olden Turkish script or Hebrew alphabet accompanied by weird imagery of plants and I guess what we can only really describe as naked nymphs sliding down Jack's beanstalk. So, just by shouting out nonsense, I was kind of on the right path. (laughs) Pretty, Pretty much, yeah. So basically, I don't know if you can read that, but I certainly can't. And if you don't know if the book is finished, how do you know if there are more pages? So what it looks like is a book on gardening. If you look at that bottom one, it looks like soil under the ground with the plant coming out the top. I mean, I don't really know what else to say further than it's in a language we can't really understand. It has what would appear to be pictures, as Mr. Moonwalker says, of plants and or creatures i'm going with plants but it is interesting one of them looks like a carrot um you got an onion there as well the ones so the second page i was just going to say how the um on the right hand page on the left hand side those four Kind of items look like buildings. Yeah, like towers. Mm. But no idea what that means. But yeah, it does, does look very odd. Where did this mysterious document come from, exactly? Deep breath time. <gasps> Rudolph II, <laughs> Holy Roman Emperor, lived until 1612 and is alleged to have been the earliest known owner of the manuscript. Rudolf's pharmacist, Jakob Horchicki, is then said to have taken the book. Voynich noted Jakob's name on the bottom of the first page of the manuscript. 
George Barash, an alchemist and antique collector in the 1600s, is the manuscript's next earliest and first legitimately provable recorded owner. George learned that a German Society of Jesus scholar named Athanasius Kircher had reportedly translated some hieroglyphics, and so George twice sent Kircher sample copy of the manuscript, believing it to depict Egyptian science. A letter from George to Kircher in 1639 is the earliest recorded mention of the Voynich manuscript. Kircher tried to acquire the book, but George wasn't interested in selling. One day, George passed away and the manuscript made its way into the hands of George's friend, Jan Marek Marcy, aka Johannes Marcus Marcy. Within a few years, Marcy sent the manuscript to Kircher, feeling that it belonged with Kircher to translate what he believed was likely a document written by a friar. The manuscript probably stayed in Kircher's collection as it disappeared to history for the next 200 years. The manuscript popped back up when, as we mentioned earlier, the Society of Jesus in 1903 were looking to make a buck having moved their belongings to the villa Mondragone. The Jesuits, aka the Jesuits, <laughs> were about Jesus. to have their belongings confiscated due to some political events we won't get into whereby states of the church were being seized in 1870. I guess we will get into them slightly then. By 1912, Voynich had the manuscript. Voynich worked over the next seven years to identify the mysterious document that now bears his name, tempting scholars with those unusual pages. Hmm. Passed down through the hands of history. Must be quite an important book if people want to get their hands it's, on it. It's intriguing, so, isn't yeah. it? It clearly looks like it's in some form of language. We've got no idea what that language is. It's clearly depicting something. Do, do people want it because they want to be the first ones to translate it and figure out what it is? That's or my take. do people want it? Well, we know he wants to try and translate it. Is that that Kircher? He wanted mm -hmm. to try and translate it. Do other people want it because they believe it to be important and worth more? I, so they don't actually know what to do with it. They don't know how to translate yeah. it. They just know so, that it's worth something. I think historically people have wanted to translate it. Voynich himself just likes rare books and seems to get them. So his motivations may be slightly different. Like catching a rare Pokemon and never using it. Indeed. Just likes to have it. To be fair, uh, I was going to say that's kind of me, but it's not me. I have set Pokemon in my mind that I like to use. And so it's not so much they're rare, because if I had Mewtwo, I'd be using Mewtwo. And he's rare. She's rare. They're rare. What is Mewtwo? Does Mewtwo have a gender? Do it, does it even need a gender? No, it doesn't. Eventually, in 1930, Voynich passed away with several ideas but having never proved what the document is. The manuscript transferred to Voynich's widow Ethel. In 1960, Ethel passed and left the manuscript to Ethel's friend, Anne Nil. Nil sold the book in 1961 to another antique book dealer, Hans P. Krauss, 
which unusually auto-corrected to Jesus when I wrote it in my phone for the first time. <laughs> Damn Jesuits, Jesuits. Uh, before you carry on, I'd just like to say that Ethel is such an old name. It's not really it's popular not, today. Yeah, yeah. Really here anymore. Hence why we think it's an old person's <laughs> name. Older person's name. Krauss couldn't sell the document, and so he gave it to Yale University in 1969, where Voynich's manuscript was catalogued as MS-408. That brings us to the present day. So what the F, David Blaine, is the manuscript? I'll start with the most out there, or up there, theory. The pages depict plants, humanish nymphy folks, and the sky, accompanied by an alien language. What if that is a literal description of the language? Is this some form of alien research around what they've found on Earth, or even of what happens if different herbs and spices are mixed and used on humanity? We've cracked Nazi codes, but we haven't been able to crack this. Maybe that's because we don't yet have the technological capabilities to understand. You could get real deep with this idea. Remember, popes and holy emperors have had this document. Maybe aliens put them in charge. Maybe ancient religious stories are based on alien visitation. Yes, we're getting very ancient alias Giorgio here. What if we just simply don't have the other part of the book, which is the key? Like there is a cipher in the back pages. Yeah. Well, that that is a very potentially impossible factor. But we have cracked codes that need a cipher without the cipher before. That's what code breaking is, isn't it? So, oh, to be fair, we're going to get into some of that literally in the next section. <laughs> I was about to say you'd. That would be much easier to do now I feel than it would back then and I also feel it would be harder to break a code back then now because language that's used um, the way things are pronounced spelled, put in order is totally different I hear you but remember we also have the advantage of technology or the disadvantage of technology. <laughs> if if the AI has uh, taken a stance against us and doesn't want us to figure out the, the meaning of life which is contained within this book. Meaning of life is number 42. What if the aliens crashed in 1442? And this book is that. 42, 42, 42. The fuck is 42? It's the book. Eh. <laughs> What if this is where KFC got their secret blend of 12 herbs and spices from? Isn't it 16? They've added? I looked at that up when uh, adding... <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. Oh, the Mibs are onto him. They're like, don't look it up. We'll have to kill you. Well, it's 11, apparently. It's not. It's 12. So we were both wrong. It's 12, damn it. I don't believe you. I have access to the Colonel's secret books, aka this manuscript. No, it's 11. You were lied to. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm going to cut that whole bit. (laughs) (laughs) William Newbold was a philosopher from the University of Pennsylvania, and Willie had quite the interest in cryptography, the study of secure communications. Did it give him a clue? It gave him a massive clue. Today, this study mainly pertains to computer security, but go back in the calendar and this field is all about secret keys and deciphering. Willie, between 1919 and 1921, would, at Voynich's request, study the manuscript. Willie and Yater Joseph Martin Feely, in 1943 too, he's a bit Feely, would both claim that the manuscript was written by a Somerset friar in the 1200s called Roger Bacon, who was also known to be a wizard. I just did not ever expect Roger to be a 1200 friar's name. Interestingly, Friar Roger came up with a calendar reform similar to the eventual Gregorian calendar 290 years earlier than that reform. Pope Gregory may have had Roger's works. Are there legs in this story? Willie completely decoded the manuscript and claimed that it detailed that Roger was using telescopes and microscopes hundreds of years before these officially existed, but after Willie passed away, literature professor and codebreaker John Manley disproved Willie's theory by showing that Willie's methods were unreliable. Willie was soft. So, uh... If he was using telescopes and microscopes hundreds of years before they officially existed. Allegedly. If officially existed, mm-hmm. where did he get them from? That's exactly the question. This manuscript could have detailed how to create them. Aliens. Wizardry. What if he was using a primitive form of those? Same way we used to tell the time of a sundial. Friar was ahead of his time, Friar Mm -hmm. Roger. Possible. Two cipher-breaking legends who were involved in the practice during both world wars of the 20th century and decoded Japanese messages, William and Elizabeth Friedman would next have a crack at the Voynich manuscript in the 1950s. At first, the Friedmans calculated everything by hand, but through the years, computers, well, tabulating machines, begun to be developed. This would enhance code-breaking powers. Power up! Elizabeth and William worked with the USA's National Security Agency in the 1950s, and there is a copy of the Voynich manuscript in the NSA library, but the Friedmans could not crack the Voynich code. They couldn't even work out how big its alphabet is. This shit is hard. You're talking leaders in the field. I suppose it's... And this is like code-breaking heyday, Second World War. Yeah, they're going off of a language they have no idea even what it is. That's isn't it? But then that's what we did with other ancient languages. So, you say we've done that. Yes. What if those original broken codes are all wrong? What broken codes, sorry? You say that we deciphered books and codes and all this so stuff. So what if we're back. reading them like so yeah, hieroglyphic glyphics are completely inaccurate and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've created a whole backline story, timeline all of this from codes Makes that com- we believe are right 
and it makes complete sense to us, but it's complete chance. Yeah. Well, not even complete chance. If we had someone from that time in front of us, they'd go, why have you done that? What does that mean? What does that mean? That's not a helicopter. That just means it's raining. Exactly. I could bore you to death with the amount of linguists who have examined this text with theories ranging from basic ciphers to Spanish texts from their occupation of Aztec Mexico. Engineer Giovanni Fontana is another suggested author as he used similar illustrations and was born in 1390, but Fontana's own cryptography... (laughs) is far more basic. Sorry, I started chuckling there as Mr. Moonwalker went to open a drink and it's just dribbling all over him. Some theories have even suggested this to be a primitive new proto-romance language similar to High German, and yet more suggest that this is some form of created language but is masked by mental ill health impacting upon the author. You definitely took that whole section in and you weren't distracted by getting covered in cherry coke or something it's not even the cherry it's just the condensation off the bottle it's how hard it is in here it's pretty toasty at time of recording i believe it's 27 degrees i honestly thought um you were gonna say engineer giovanni van bronkost (laughs) (laughs) they're suggesting that this person created their own language potentially yeah but is it masked by mental health? I mean, would you... But it could have an impact. Would you only know that if you knew what half of what was there was? So take Pig Latin, for example. Right. You take the front and you put it on the end. What if this person's, like, stoop... What is it? Upid stay or something like that is for stupid something like that That's, I think that's pig Latin um, what if this person's own created language runs off a rule that obviously they created so people are saying it's masked by mental health, it's not masked at all it's just their way of seeing it I don't think that's how they mean it I think it's in terms of because this person is potentially not functioning quite as they should be. How do we know they're not functioning as they should well, be? That's they what I'm saying. The language, they've created this language in their mind, but then as they go to write it again, their mind is changing the narrative that they've already created. So it's changing constantly as the pages go on. Hence why there's no structure. So sentences might have once been, there was a car. I don't have changed the car there was. And then car A, and then just car as it's gone on and on and... So that the way things are structured changes throughout the document potentially, hence why it can't be translated because it's there's no one rule. Could that also be a time-saving mechanism? Uh, I guess ultimately we have no, no freaking idea. idea. <laughs> and that's the difficulty. Like the same way we that just don't know. We take notes in abbreviations or we'll take like Federal Bureau of Investigations, FBI. What if they've just done that in the book, considering they only had a set amount of pages? I don't think that's it, no. But it we'll... is. <laughs> <laughs> I've cracked it. 
I have one more bit of history to drop on you before we look at other explanations. John D was honourable and was advisor to house of Tudor Queen Elizabeth I and had a medium, occultist Edward Kelly. John Dee was known to have owned many of Friar Roger Bacon's works and was believed by Voynich himself to be a potential previous owner of Roger's manuscript and by some to be a possible author. Kelly was known to be a little controversial, shall we say, passing messages to Honourable John from angels which only Kelly could understand. For example, one angelic suggestion in 1587 was that John and Kelly share wives. <laughs> it's said that Rudolf II brought the book from John, and indeed it is recorded that John and Kelly shared an audience with Rudolf II, trying to convince him of angelic communication, though John's diaries do not mention the manuscript. Kelly went on to become Rudolf's personal alchemist, John is also said to have driven Kelly mad, making him engage in daily sessions with the angels. After John and Kelly split, Kelly was eventually knighted by Rudolph in 1590 for being able to turn metal into gold, but in 1591 Kelly was arrested and again in 1597 for not producing gold dying in prison between 1597 and 1598 from injuries sustained while attempting to escape. Is the manuscript the communication of angels? Sorry, what to sleep with his mate's wife? <laughs> That's basically all I took from that section too. And he, uh, uh... I mean, he was knighted for being able to turn metal into gold. And then arrested because he couldn't. So before he was arrested because he couldn't did he just say that he could and is that how he got knighted so i perceive it to be that he fooled people into believing he could yes because we can't turn metal into gold no so i'm like did he did he paint some bricks yellow <laughs> okay <laughs> just put this blindfold yeah. on for a second abracadabra yeah. boom pulls gold. a block of gold out of his ass <laughs> He's a witch, right, damn let, me, it. let me get that right out there. Oh, 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 there we go. There's some gold for you. <laughs> yeah, that's... So for a good six years, he rode the coattails of being knighted for being able to produce gold. <laughs> but how long did he work on knowing trying to well produce gold? <laughs> that he couldn't. Or, yeah. I say knowing full well that he couldn't. Maybe believe that he could. Might, Maybe he believed yeah. he could speak to angels. Uh, the, the angels have just dropped me a message, Mr. Moonwalker, and said that you should give me your car. Not happening. But the angels demand it. Actually. There we go. Moving yes. on. Yes, you can have my not, car. Not the old one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll drop it around tomorrow and give you the key. <laughs> there is one... Other possible theory. Hoax. <laughs> Physicist Andreas Schinner has indeed suggested that the manuscript is utter garbage, a medieval scribe's practical joke with no code at all. 
But in 2013, a group of Brazilian and German scientists ran their own statistical analysis and concluded that the manuscript is absolutely written in a language and not randomly generated. The uh, quote from physicist Andreas Schinner sounds like someone that couldn't break the code and just got annoyed. If I can't do it, this is bullshit. Our old pal Kircher, who had been sent the manuscript after earlier trying to buy it from Baresh, had actually been subject to a hoax himself once before, where Andreas Muller sent some text to Kircher suggesting it was Egyptian and asking for a translation to make Kircher look foolish. Kircher, though, was reported to have solved it. Baresh's letter to Kircher resemble Muller's letter. Raphael Minshovsky was a friend of Marcy, and Marcy, remember, was the original source of the Friar Roger author theory. Well, Raphael was said to have created an unsolvable cipher around 1618. Was the Voynich manuscript a demonstration of Raphael's abilities? In 1917, Voynich was actually investigated by the FBI due to rumours around his possession of interesting documents. Nothing unsavoury was found, but if there's enough for the FBI to spend resources probing, is Voynich a bit of a suspicious character? If Voynich is, is it possible that Voynich forged the manuscript himself? Voynich clearly knew his shit when it came to ancient texts, and he had that knowledge of other languages. A long-lost, mysterious book from Friar Roger would have been worth a lot of pennies. Voynich could have utilised olden paper and perhaps forged away. Baresh and Marcy's letters only established the existence of a manuscript, not Voynich's manuscript specifically. If Voynich did indeed know of these letters, that could have inspired the elaborate plan. The pages all come from a single source though, completely blank parchment of this quantity from the 15th century consisting of about 15 entire calfskins surviving long enough to fall into Voynich's hands to forge in the 1900s is borderline inconceivable. In 2009, a University of Arizona team radiocarbon dated the Voynich manuscript. The manuscript was created between 1404 and 1438. The Chicago 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 McCrone Research Institute also added that the ink was added around the same time as the paper was made. The carbon dating is pretty conclusive evidence that the document was indeed written before Voynich's time. In 2014, Linguistics professor Stephen Bax suggested that he had decoded part of the manuscript and that it was an essay on nature. However, Bax passed away before a full translation could be made. Today, we still don't know what the Voynich manuscript is. Regardless, it's probably not aliens because the manuscript is written on materials of the 1400s and apparently by creatures with human hands using ink of the time. So there you have it. Right, so I was going to say, why would someone that wants rare books create a fake rare book, but then he could have sold it to buy more rare, rare books. books and slept with his rare books 
rubbing them over his skin. But like you said, it was carbon dated to a time way before he would have been alive. Yeah. Same so with the ink. Whilst people have theorised that, it has been ruled out. Um, but the old essay on nature. Mm-hmm. I did go back First and say... First thing you said was... <laughs> yeah. Bush! Looks like uh, vegetables and... Yep. Stuff like that. Carrots and onions. Yep. Your very first instinct is usually your right instinct. <clears throat> so do we have the world's first gardening book here? Well, I don't know about world's first, but possibly the world's least well understood. Agriculture. <laughs> Maybe it contain, contains the secrets of herbology. Maybe it does. How to turn metal into gold. <laughs> <laughs> How to grow runner beans. The chap knew, but then he lost the book and couldn't do it anymore and got arrested. But yeah, maybe, maybe that book literally describes how to uh, get the best results when trying to grow these certain ingredients in the garden. Maybe. In summary, we've today learned about Wilfred Voynich, a rare book dealer who in 1912 acquired a manuscript from the Society of Jesus. The origins of this manuscript and the information this manuscript detailed remain unexplained as of early 2023. Legend has it that an early owner was Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II and then his pharmacist Jacob Horchicki, who allegedly signed the first page. Next up was an alchemist, George Barash, who sent samples to Society of Jesus scholar Athanasius Kircher. Letters from George to Kircher around 1639 are the earliest officially recognised mention of the document. Kircher wanted it, but George wouldn't sell. When George passed away, his friend Jan Merrick Marcy inherited the manuscript and sent documents to Kircher. Did Kircher kill George? (laughs) He needed that document. The document disappeared until 1903 when the Society of Jesus had moved the belongings with religious and state reform taking place document was at a villa called Mondragon and by 1912 the document fell into the lap of Voynich whom the manuscript became named after. Voynich worked hard to identify the document and following his death it transferred to his widow Ethel then her friend Anne Neil, who in 1961 sold the works to Hans B. Krauss. Hans donated the book to Yale University in 1969 and the world has tried to understand it ever since. The manuscript has been studied by many down the years and theorised to be an alien manuscript depicting earthly nature. William Newbold claimed much as Voynich believed that the document was written by famous 1200s friar Roger Bacon. Willie's translation was pretty much disproven though. Friar Roger did come up with a similar calendar proposal to Pope Gregory XIII, a later alleged owner. Famous wartime co-breakers William and Elizabeth Friedman tried to solve the case but couldn't. We then touched on John Dee, advisor to Tudor Queen Elizabeth, and his colleague Edward Kelly, who allegedly truthfully was spoken to by angels who convinced Honourable John to share his wife with Kelly. These chaps may have either authored the document or sold it to Holy Roman Emperor Rudolf II, who Kelly would later work for, claiming to be able to make gold before being arrested when it became apparent that Kelly couldn't. We then covered the possibility of a hoax. Academics have argued that the document does and does not have a purpose. 
Voynich was at one point investigated by the FBI, but the document has been carbon dated to between 1408 and 1438, meaning that it was written before Voynich's time. We still don't know who made the Voynich manuscript or why. Is there anything you want to double back over, Mr. Moonwalker? Oddly, I want to go back to this wife swap. <laughs> I thought you were going to do. Is that the way to get into heaven? Did he actually get him to commit? Or, like, did the deed happen? Or did he just suggest it? Because then that would lead me to believe whether or not he was believed that he spoke to angels. Well, they stuck together for a long time after it was suggested, let me tell you that. Doesn't mean a thing. Well, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it does. I'm going to go back and quickly just look at the pages again. Mm -hmm. Just look at, see if I can, yeah, I can't understand that handwriting. (laughs) I mean, it does look like it could just be Arabic or something. Well, it's supposedly is without doubt an ancient language we just don't know what but you've clearly got those are clearly plants yeah but what if what if that's to throw people off about what the real content is it's all about those nudie nymphs maybe that's what their way of describing what happens in the body like every kid must poop that's their way of uh I don't know. This is their Every Kid Must Poop book. Saying, don't be worried about going for a poo. Your poo (laughs) (laughs) These little fairies having a fun time. They're all shit. And it's okay. I don't know. I think I hit the nail on the head right from the bloody start. You did. You pretty much, we, we end at the start. Before we started at the end and on that note are you saying that it was aliens no yeah this is just a gardening book or a nature documentary yeah this one it's it's another one of those very very famous cases actually but unusually it's been and continues to be studied by leading academics in relevant fields without resolution i'm obviously not going aliens myself i'm not saying that it was aliens but Fuck me, this would be a lot of effort in to hoax it in the 1400s. A hell of a lot of effort. Yeah, I'm saying it's a proto-romance nature journal. Bam. Done. Any final thoughts? Oh, if you this, put your hand up like we're in school. <laughs> if this was a hoax yeah. and they went through all that trouble, think of how good the payoff is. <laughs> it remains <laughs> remains mystery. Yeah, and several it's still hundred studied years later, no one's got an idea. To this day, hell of a payoff. This was like the original prankster. That is a wrap for today. So thank you for listening to. But it was aliens. <sighs> If you haven't finished listening, although you've nearly finished listening, did you know that you don't have to finish listening? If you head on over to patreon.com forward slash but it was aliens and contribute about the cost of a smaller than greybeard sized coffee, you could gain access to our monthly bonus episodes, otherwise known as the side probes. Those are paranormal mysteries 
too spicy for the palate of the public. You can learn all about topics such as hypnotic dogs and Rasputin's penis, and we will use your contribution to do helpful things and definitely not to invest in an arsenal for future nefarious endeavours. Outside of that, if you just want to get in touch with us or see what we're up to or pledge allegiance to our de facto state, you can probe us on the Twitter at But It Was Aliens. Did you know that I have been screaming on the Twitter for so long that if you just type it in the uh, Facebook group, people hear it how I say it? So I wake up at night hearing it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to bother saying it. I'm just going to let you hear it right now as if I did. On. I heard it. I don't know about you folks. I heard it too. <laughs> Another way you can find us suggestion. is that you can, <laughs> you can log into Facebook and search for the But It Was Aliens page. Connected to that page is a privately public group where nobody and all are welcome, known as Extraterrestrial Towers. We're gradually building an army big enough to storm a small town, not that we'd storm a town, allegedly. Truthfully. Right, that's enough nonsense from us for this week, so until next time. Isn't any book a children's book if the child can read? The truth is up there. Hash tag. Roger.